This is An American Workplace, a podcast dedicated to rewatching and discussing NBC's beloved mockumentary series, The Office. My name is Chad Hopkins, and joining me, as always, is my good friend and co-host, Katie White. Katie, how are you doing? I am well, um, but it's an even bigger week for you. It is your birthday, I believe, tomorrow? Tomorrow, yes. As we're recording So the day this. everybody is listening, presumably. So, happy birthday, Chad. <laughs> Thank you very much. Uh, I it has been a nice vamp up to this week. I'm taking the day off tomorrow, and uh, that's great. But I also have to buy a new car in the next week. So this week has its ups and downs. Yeah, you've had uh, a big week. You've had a, yeah. an expensive week. It's very expensive week. Uh, <laughs> but on the bright side, I'll own a new car in less than a week, I guess. <laughs> Just in time for your birthday. <laughs> uh, it was not a gift, unfortunately. But anyways... <laughs> We are ready to push forward. We have new emails this week from Bailey, Robert, and Katie. Thank you all so much for reaching out. Uh, we, as always, we like to say this, but it's true. We love hearing from you guys, so please reach out, email, and don't forget we have our voicemail line, and we'll be using that, hearing from that, here in a little while. But for yeah. now, let's get into our episode discussion, which is over classy Christmas. Unfortunately, we couldn't time this up with actual Christmas but it's office Christmas today. So <laughs> it aired on December 9th of 2010 was directed by rain Wilson, uh, Dwight. So it's his first episode to direct for the show. And it was written by Mindy Kaling. It's time for the annual Christmas party. And for once it's relatively drama free at the office. That is until Michael learns that Toby will be taking a leave of absence and who will be filling his place. But Holly flax, Michael's ex-girlfriend. All party planning must stop and be redone for Holly's arrival. Her return doesn't go as planned for Michael, who doesn't realize that Holly is still with her boyfriend in Nashua, AJ. Meanwhile, Dwight and Jim partake in a prank that goes too far, and and Toby has some exciting news regarding his leave of absence. Okay, so starting off, this is our first payoff of what Joe said to Michael back in Whistleblower since the end of season six, where she, uh, Michael covers for her and does the press conference for her so she's not embarrassed. And she's, she says, if there's anything I can do for you, just ask. And he says, well, you could bring back Holly Flax. Well, that's finally happening. Apparently he had to be a little bit more persistent about it than just saying it then and there. But here's Holly, and it's a really big deal. And Michael wants to start everything over they were already planning a christmas party and getting ready to have their christmas party when toby walked in with this news about being a juror for the scranton strangler case when michael was like oh what holly's coming well let's trash this party let's throw out all these cookies who cares if they're fresh who cares if they're still good let's throw out all these unopened party supplies we're going to throw a classy party when holly gets here because that's the kind of welcome she deserves and so he he's head over heels still after all this time and is doing backflips to try and make this a a big arrival for holly i mean he truly is completely overwhelmed with excitement um no christmas party is good enough he pulls all the stops he funds the entire thing because they are going to push this back presumably a week or so um for her arrival and they don't have the budget for another party. They just spent the money on this party and the food won't save and stuff. So he foots the bill. Um, he's that excited. And the big day has come. Holly arrives. And once again, they fall immediately into their old selves. They start doing weird voices and bits. He's so happy. It's, it's like, well, I was going to say it's like seeing an old friend. It is like seeing an old friend. It's exactly <laughs> like that. They are just two peas. I mean, 
very, very uh, compatible. Yeah, it's just like what we saw in Company Picnic at the end of season five. And they, they, they are clearly so well matched to each other. But then there is the old uh, bump in the road of her still dating AJ. She's been dating him since we at least know Lecture Circuit in season five. So it's been a while that they've still been together. But hey, Michael thinks... Well, when Holly left Scranton to go to Nashua, she broke up with me. So naturally, when she leaves Nashua to come to Scranton, she's going to break up with AJ, leaving her single, ready to mingle, ready to date me specifically. And we'll just pick up right where we left our relationship off and we'll be married within the year. Like that's Michael's mindset going into this, but that that's not the case. She reveals this Woody doll, uh, Woody from Toy Story, that she's putting on her desk and she's talking about AJ. And Michael's like, oh, yeah, fresh wounds. He, he keeps thinking, oh, yeah, you just recently broke up with this guy. Uh, you're having issues get moving on past that or something. But it becomes apparent pretty quickly that they are still together. And Michael is absolutely devastated. He's got this really upsetting talking head where he says, I guess there are just some people who you stay together with when you transfer and some people you don't. And that's just the way it is. And it, you, can, you can sense his depression because, in a way, it, it is unfair that Holly didn't break up with AJ after making so big a deal about breaking up with Michael. Uh, but I don't want to talk about that too much now because that is part of my discussion topic. So Michael sees this Woody doll and at first thinks it's some sort of memento for AJ, um, something to remember him by. But no, it becomes clear very quickly that she is still with AJ. So Michael takes the doll and throws it in the trash on top of, I believe, is her salad and her salad dressing. So he is now um, bathed in gross um, trash. And he's kind of taken this backslide into his childlike way of handling the situation. We've seen him take a mature approach to Holly kind of in the past. I mean, he's... He's been okay with taking it slow and getting to know her, but he also has days where that's very much not the case. This is one of those not the case <laughs> days. He reverts to childlike behavior. He lies about having a girlfriend, Tara, in New York City, and Dwight thinks that's very unlikely because he emails me for everything. He emails me when he gets his it. So Michael is just lying and, and again, so childlike just to kind of get back at Holly for having a boyfriend. This is one of the more childish things we've ever seen Michael do. Probably it rivals uh, his reaction to Charles back uh, before the Michael Scott Paper Company when he was so upset that he was like mimicking Charles. It's, it's the same sort of behavior, except this is even worse because he's doing it to somebody he cares about. And we knows, know how much he cares about Holly. Uh, he says it was an accident born of jealous feelings. And he thinks it'll be a story that we'll laugh about someday when we tell our kids and it, it just becomes clear that Michael's almost obsessive at this point and Holly's really not okay with it. But Michael offers his rebuttal. He says, it's not fair that you didn't break up with AJ, but you did break up with me. And she doesn't argue against it. So she clearly sees the, how, how upset and why, why he's upset here. Uh, she understands to a certain extent. And then later AJ does show up and when she has the opportunity to tell AJ that Michael is the one who did this to Woody, she covers for him and makes up an excuse. And that, I think, is sort of a peace offering in a way. 
but also showing that she does still care about Michael, maybe not romantically, but she cares about Michael uh, to the point that she doesn't want to burn bridges between AJ and Michael. While all this is going on, the girls of the office have taken a big interest, especially Kelly, in in Holly's um, engagement status or lack thereof. Holly um, basically has told the girls that by the end of the year, if AJ has not proposed, she's breaking up with him, which I can't imagine a happy marriage starting off that way, but that's her plan. That's her goal, um, to be engaged by the end of the year. So Kelly says ultimatums are key. (laughs) Um, We'll put that in the funny moments, I'm sure, but Kelly's very on board. So this is sort of, I mean, it's Christmas. It's we're approaching the holidays here. So there's not much time left. I feel badly for Holly in that scene because I don't think this ultimatum is something she really wants to do, but she's feeling so much pressure from all the other women, namely like Phyllis and Kelly, because they're asking, well, are you too serious? Do you want kids? And if you do, you better get a move on because, hey, you're getting old. Well, if he, if you want these things, then where's the ring? And so there's so much pressure on her for not handling her relationship the way they all would have that she relents and says, okay, listen, 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 I will give him an ultimatum. And so I, it's, it's not like Holly at all. Pam points that out too. It's very unlike Holly, but I think she just feels so much pressure in the situation that she's trying to sort of appeal, uh, appease her audience <laughs> into, I don't know, do dealing with her relationship the way they want her to, uh, which sucks, but that's yeah. the way it goes. Now, when AJ shows up as a surprise for Holly later, I want to point out that Michael is very mature here to to not cancel out his immaturity earlier, but he he makes a point of coming out of his office, saying hello to AJ, being very cordial, even though he has a talking head that says, I'm dead inside. <laughs> he, it, it's torture for him to do this, but he does it anyways, and he goes and gets Woody out of the trash can and cleans each individual piece of clothing and hangs it up on like a clothesline in the bathroom before putting it back together. <laughs> so cute. He, he, he's trying to fix things even if it's killing him and it is killing him. And to close out Michael's part of the episode, uh, at least this part to do with Holly, he tries to sneak out early after he's cleaned up Woody because he's clearly miserable and he doesn't want to be around this. So Pam sees that he's leaving and she approaches him and it's so wonderful how courteous he is. Uh, to to Pam in this moment. He cautions her. He says, be careful. You're going to slip on the ice, even though I'm miserable. And I can pretty confidently tell you that things are not going to be okay between me and Holly. Uh, He's very, I I hate to use the word father-like because that's the relationship that Michael and Aaron have. And it's not so much the relationship between Michael and uh, Pam, but they do have their own unique kind of relationship like that. And he, he displays it very nicely there and Pam not liking Michael being this depressed and being this upset she tells him you know what Holly's giving AJ an ultimatum and I don't know many happy marriages that began with an ultimatum so just be patient and what's great about that is it's the same advice Michael gave Jim in Booze Cruise he said Mm. BFD engaged ain't married never give up it's, it's kind of funny how we forget the advice we give to others, uh, but it's 
it's nice that Michael has his own advisor to turn back at him. And we saw how well it turned out for Pam and Jim. So who knows what's in Michael and Holly's future, if anything. But at least Michael is somewhat hopeful by the end of the episode. I should also point out that there's one small moment where uh, Michael puts back on his regular Santa suit, not his classy Santa suit, and lets um, Jada, we have Daryl's daughter, we'll get to that in a bit, in a bit but uh, he puts on the Santa suit and, and lets Jada tell Santa what, he, what she wants for Christmas. And he's being really sweet with her. And Holly notices that and just takes mm-hmm. a moment and smiles at herself. She's not blind to him. I mean, she definitely understands what he's feeling. She gets it, but she can't act on that because she's taken and she's for all appearances happily taken. And um, that's where we are. She, she can't help Michael too much at this point. Mm-hmm. She sees the best and the worst of Michael in this episode, and mm-hmm. the the worst does not lessen the best in her eyes, is what we see by the end. Let's do Jim and Dwight next, I guess. They have a bit of a uh, rivalry gone wrong here. Jim gets excited that, it, that it's the first snow of the season, and Dwight makes fun of him for it, basically making fun of his little girl excitement. So. Jim goes outside, makes a snowball, comes upstairs, and throws it at Dwight in the (laughs) office. Um, And this sparks a massive vendetta for Dwight, who challenges Jim to this snowball fight on the first real snow of winter. Apparently this wasn't a real one, this was just a dusting. Andy wants in. Dwight says, no, 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 Andy, this is a snowball fight. It's not fun. (laughs) Plus, I think he really just wants it to be about getting back at Jim. So this takes place over the whole extended episode. A week later on Classy Christmas Day, Dwight decides that it's finally time he and Jim will have their big snowball fight. So Jim goes downstairs um, to have the fight, and Dwight's nowhere to be found. But when um, Jim turns around to go back inside, the door has been locked, chained shut, and Dwight leaps out of a a lone snowman uh, that is built in the parking lot with a backpack full of pre-made snowballs and starts attacking Jim, pegs him to the ground, and makes him bleed, and is just way too far it goes from a snowball fight into pure psychological warfare very very quickly and he he does the attack in the parking lot he attacks him in the office with snowballs while disguised as people he gives a gift box disguised as something that might have been from pam that sends a a snowball into his face via catapult from the box it's terrible all this stuff and jim does try to retaliate at some point with a lacrosse uh i I don't know what the actual term is called the lacrosse stick lacrosse net the thing that you throw the ball in lacrosse with (laughs) you know what we mean (laughs) uh he has a snowball in that and it does not go well he misses and throws it out the window breaks the window and so him and dwight get reprimanded by holly who's there at that point and is in charge of hr so it's her job to Dwight tries to play innocent, but we all know what's really happening. And by the end of the episode, Jim just, he can't even enter a room without looking around thinking, oh man, Dwight's going to get me in here too. But him and Pam leave at the end of the night. And Pam seems a little doubtful in in exactly how far Dwight is willing to go to terrorize Jim. But Jim's worst fears are confirmed when they get to the parking lot and there are snowmen everywhere. And Dwight could be in any one of them. And so Pam makes a run for the car. Jim 
starts attacking every single snowman <laughs> while we see from the camera pan that he is actually on the roof looking down, watching, enjoying the show. And he gives the great line, in the end, the greatest snowball isn't a snowball at all. It's fear. Merry Christmas. <laughs> I remember that for next Christmas. Yeah. <laughs> Um, there's also a really great Jim and Pam line in this story. Um, they are exchanging gifts this year, and they made a note to not make extravagant gifts, or rather to make gifts, not to give extravagant gifts, but they're going to make gifts this year. So they both said that they were so busy, they didn't have much time to plan, so both of them are saying, don't expect too much. But Pam has been planning Jim's gift secretly for a very long time. She made him a comic book. The Adventures of Jimmy Halpert, where basically Jimmy Halpert turns into like a bear superhero, and it's incredible, and she goes into great detail, and it's very well done. But as the day goes on, she gets more and more criticism from people in the office on the book as she goes to ask for their advice. Ryan starts giving critique on the story of the book, which, sorry, it's a little bit too late to change now. I'm giving it to him today. He kind of gets sassy with her and says, well, it seems like you know what you want. Don't take my help. Phyllis didn't care for it either. She assumes that Jim and Pam were having money problems. She didn't like the book. And Pam starts to lose confidence in her gift. Jim gives her a beautiful diamond bracelet, and she's overwhelmed by it, and starts to feel, again, self-conscious about her gift. I mean, Jim didn't make the bracelet, but he couldn't <laughs> have made that, he said, so this works. And then she gives Jim the gift, the comic book, and he, this is one of my favorite moments, I think, from Jim to Pam. It's a talking head with, with Jim. But it's not so much a talking head. He just sort of sits there and just, wow, I, mm, I don't know what to say. <laughs> He's just so, even more so overwhelmed by Pam's thoughtfulness and her attention to detail. And he just, he loves it so much. It's really cute. The gratitude that they both show for the gift given by the other is, I wrote this in my notes, hashtag goals. <laughs> like, <laughs> that is, it is so awesome seeing how uh, each one still surprises the other and they're both so thankful for what they get even though maybe the other one was feeling a little anxious about what they were giving it, it's it's awesome they have the best relationship another character storyline that is happening in this episode daryl is uh, excited at first because his daughter D jada is going to be spending christmas with him he has joint custody or alternate custody with uh his ex-wife and so this year is his year to have his daughter with him. But things change because his daughter decides to spend Christmas with her mom's side of the family instead. Apparently, she wants to be with family for Christmas. And Daryl has just this heartbreaking talking head where he says, I don't know. I thought I was enough family for my daughter. Ouch. Mm. So he's in a terrible mood the rest of the or for the next half of the episode. And he accompanies Pam and Andy to the tree lot to get a new, a, an actual real tree rather than an artificial one for the office uh, for the Christmas party. And Pam convinces Daryl to, hey, why don't you, you bring Jada to the office party? Santa will be there. We'll play games with her. We'll have fun. It'll win Jada over. She'll want to spend Christmas with you after all. That's the plan. But they show up at the office. Michael is not quite the Santa that they are expecting. He's dressed more like James Bond in red <laughs> than actual uh, Santa. And then they try to play games in the warehouse with Andy being the Grinch, but he's terrible at it. He, he doesn't 
play the game properly. He asks political questions of an eight-year-old or however old she is. And when Daryl suggests, okay, how about we play a little bit of hot and cold game in finding the star that you stole? And he just automatically brings it out. And, oh, it was behind your ear the whole time. Ha ha. And it's just, it's really bad. Things are not going well for Daryl. But things turn around for him and for Jada by the end of the episode. Yeah, Daryl offers Jada a snack from the vending machine, and she's completely overwhelmed with options. It's adorable. (laughs) She asks, there's a whole room filled with vending machines? So Daryl knows exactly what to do. He lets her get a ton of stuff from the machines and pass them out like favors um, to the entire office. I love how proud Daryl is to help her pass out. He's right, like following him behind her with armful of snacks from the vending machine. He's got this big old <laughs> grin on his face. He's just, it's like he pride in enjoying spending time with his daughter. And in a way, I guess, pride in her being so giving. So like, this is what she wants to do with her Christmas at the office is give everybody snacks. That's great. And the last major line here is that Toby, as we kind of mentioned, will be taking a leave of absence starting next week. He's been selected as a juror on a very high-profile case. He can neither confirm nor deny that it is the Scranton Strangler case. And Michael is hating that everyone loves news from, from Toby. Everyone's really interested in what he has to say. And Toby has this talking head where he admits, he says, I know people are only this excited to talk to me because of a trial. But they talk to me for a while, and maybe people realize that I have something to say. And then one day, we're just talking. Which is... I always thought that was the saddest talking head. <laughs> I've got a, a talking head in mind from like season nine, I think, that I think is even sadder coming from Toby. I, I can maybe mention it to you later, but uh, yeah, th- that it is depressing that he, he's just this is like, like the highlight of his year, honestly, as people are talking to him yeah. finally. Yep. A couple more small things uh, just before we move on to the funny stuff. Aaron is not into Holly at all, which just plays straight into the discussion we had in viewing party where they realize Michael and Aaron realize the father daughter relationship that they have. And Michael doesn't like Gabe because he's being overprotective of Aaron. The same thing reciprocates here. Aaron, I think is just being overprotective of the guy. She sees as sort of like a father figure to her. Michael had hyped Holly up, said she's super pretty, was super important in my life. And Aaron is just underwhelmed and actually a little bit hostile, too. She doesn't think she's pretty. She wants to throw out the candy she brought from Nashua. Says, you know, I just don't get it. Like, what does Michael see in her? And it just fits right into that whole father-daughter narrative that we talked about. We also get a little bit more with Angela and Robert. Angela is now dating Robert, who we learn is a senator. Well, a state senator. (laughs) Oscar is um, very sure to make sure that we all know. He's a state senator. Angela is very proud to be dating someone in the public arena, and she ends up inviting Robert and bringing Robert to the party. Oscar introduces himself, um, and then he has a very interesting talking head. He says, Robert seems great. He's very handsome, firm handshake. He's gay. Good sense of humor. So Oscar is either flattering himself by thinking that the senator is into him. Sorry, the state senator is into him. Or he really does think that he's gay. But then we see the senator kind of check out Ryan, and Oscar notices that too. So he might be onto something. Yeah, we'll find out. Uh, We don't know a whole lot yet. Um, But 
it is interesting that Oscar feels so strongly about this so early on, like from the very first handshake. He's like, oh, yeah, that guy's gay. <laughs> so uh, his getter must be incredible. <laughs> yeah, something like that. <laughs> and the last character I had to mention was Kelly, who outside of the very start of the episode we don't hear a whole lot from but she chose the christmas gift for the branch from corporate she picked out pink hello kitty laptop sleeves no one really likes them nobody really wants them gabe says hey kelly i thought we decided on fleece blankets and kelly's response is what am i five uh do you know anything about hello kitty i mean it's clearly geared towards children uh, but the, the the biggest thing I wanted to note from Kelly is her talking head where she says, Saber is actively looking for ways to involve me as minority executive trainee. So I suggested choosing the annual Christmas gift to the employees. And they said, oh, yes, perfect. Thank you, Kelly. Finally, something for you to do. So I think corporate might be regretting a little bit picking Kelly because now that she's gone through the program, uh, they just don't know what to do with her. That's completely accurate, I think. Um even in her quoting corporate, she laid on that emphasis of like, you have nothing to do. Finally, we can give you something to do. She quoted them exactly. So yeah, it seems as if this is a totally useless position. So funny moments. The cold opens. So they are doing a holiday picture. First, they get their nice picture. Everyone's standing outside in Santa Hat's holiday picture done. It's freezing. Everyone wants to go in. But Michael wants a fun picture. So all right, let's all whip out our fun poses. Jim says there can only be one Charlie's Angel pose. One. one. So everyone does Charlie's Angels. Every single person. Andy suggests instead that they jump up into the air. Well, there are 18 people who are freezing, who are not well organized, and who are not very athletic. The chances of them getting this picture is not great. Uh, and they do not. No. <laughs> um, Aaron is jumping way earlier than everyone else because she, quote, doesn't want to miss it. Nate, who's taking the picture, says, on three, everyone in the air. Three, two, one, zero. <laughs> that's the only time he counts Which is not that how that too. works. <laughs> like, you've been doing one, two, three the whole rest of the time. But the, the one time he <laughs> says, on three, three, two. <laughs> it's so great. <laughs> and so you just get people, like, bouncing up and down. It's completely, it looks like fish in a barrel. And then it just cuts to a Michael talking head. We didn't get it. <laughs> uh, Oscar, in the middle of all the chaos, asks, here's a question no one's asking. Is it worth it? And Michael just says, don't answer that. <laughs> don't answer him. <laughs> okay. Michael is overwhelmed with excitement at Holly returning to Scranton Branch. And he says, I end up owing this to the Scranton Strangler. Thank you. Thank you, Scranton Strangler. I love you. You just took one more person's breath away. <laughs> a little bit insensitive a little a little bit yeah a little bit <laughs> michael wanted a very very classy christmas um and i have to say for the most part he kind of succeeded for an office christmas mm-hmm. party it looks pretty good in there but he wanted classy boring jazz music at the party his words <laughs> not mine he had the option to either hire a whole jazz quartet for half an hour which sounds lovely or one musician for the whole day so for the whole day, he hired a bassist, a bassist <laughs> for the mm-hmm. whole day. Uh, yeah, um, that's a way to go about it, I guess. But I personally, I would rather have an event where, oh, a jazz quartet is coming. Great. We're all going to sit around and listen to them. And then we're going to continue with the party rather than listen to a bassist for four hours or whatever it is. 
Holly uses a New York accent to compliment the decorations and Michael puts on an effeminate voice and like waves his hand around stereotypically and he calls everything fabulous and you see the camera look over to Oscar and he's like a is this really happening kind of a face there's that that kind of stare and then Michael switched to a Mexican accent (laughs) and uh, Oscar had turned around at this point but he turns back around and doubles back and just gives the same stare again like wow two in a row Michael wow I wanted to tack on to the Kelly thing you said earlier about finally, yes, Kelly, something for you to do. Well, first of all, Nashua got MP3 players this year, so Scranton gets Hello Kitty laptop sleeves. Also, Kelly makes the assumption, she says, I wonder if these presents would be under as much scrutiny if I were white. And everyone moans and groans. She's well, I said I wonder. I didn't say I think. (laughs) (laughs) Well, the fact that you even said it means you're kind of thinking it. Pam originally has a an artificial tree set up in the office, uh, but Jim comments, wow, how does it smell real? She reaches into the limbs and pulls out like car air fresheners that are pine scented. <laughs> it's pretty, pretty great. <laughs> that might be something I would do. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> also a Kelly one. I, I quoted part of this quote earlier, but um, regarding Holly's ultimatum, she says, that's a great idea. Ultimatums are key. Basically, Nobody does anything for me anymore unless I threaten to kill myself, which isn't really a funny moment, but it's just so like her that it's mm-hmm. comical. <laughs> it's, oh, yeah, her, you know, lying to Ryan that she was pregnant falls right in line with this. Like, she's so, she's such a liar. <laughs> After Dwight ambushes Jim in the parking lot from inside the snowman, he has a talking head where he says, I have no feeling in my fingers or penis. But I think it was worth it. (laughs) If you think it was worth it, sure. That's great. I urge everyone to go back and find a YouTube clip or just watch the whole episode of Dwight's Wigs. I -hmm. beg of you. Oh, it's so good. He has a wig for every person in the office. We see Meredith, Kevin, and Stanley. It's incredible. (laughs) Right. Plus Pam. We see his Pam as well. Oh, plus Pam. Yes, that's right. Kevin, when Holly arrives, he asks... Did you bring us anything from Nashua? Holly says, oh, yeah, I brought some maple candy. But I have to admit, I got a little hungry on the drive and I ate some of them. And you see the look on Kevin's face. He is like super pissed off about this. And then later, when the whole drama between Michael and Holly happens in front of everybody, uh, Holly says, you guys, it wasn't my fault. And Kevin just outbursts, oh, nothing is ever your fault. Just like when you ate those maple candies that you brought for us. (laughs) And then AJ shows up later and Kevin asks, I bet you didn't even bring us anything, did you? <laughs> and AJ just says, did, did I, was I supposed to bring you guys something? I didn't know. <laughs> so Kevin just has some sort of weird expectation that any visitors bring them something. Holly is reprimanding Jim and Dwight in the office um, about their snowball fight gone too far. She says, I'm really surprised at you guys. Last time I was here, you both were best friends. And Jim and Dwight just look at each other and look at the camera like, no, we weren't. And they, I like that they both just unanimously like, no, we were never close. Right. <laughs> uh, another Kevin moment for me. After Holly confronts the office with the destroyed Woody doll, she is trying to demand and figure out who did this. Kevin speaks up and says, wait, wait, guys, listen. Toy Story is all about toys that come to life when people aren't looking. You don't think it's not possible that Woody did this to himself. 
<laughs> and and Jim later, uh, shortly thereafter, everybody else has moved on with real ideas, more blaming of Michael. But Jim speaks up and says, okay, I'm sorry. Why are we discounting this whole Woody came to life thing so quickly? <laughs> I love that Jim feeds into other people's jokes in that way. Yeah. He supports them. <laughs> uh, I guess last one for me. Stanley um, is very jealous of Toby's jury duty. We get a talking head. He says, I have been trying to be on jury duty every single year since I was 18 years old to get to go sit in an air-conditioned downtown room judging people while my lunch is paid for. That is the life. (laughs) (laughs) And it kind of sounds right. That sounds exactly like what he would like. I accidentally alluded to this quote a few episodes of our podcast uh, ago. So if if Oh, I think I remember that. (laughs) Yeah. So if you caught that and you haven't watched through the show, my bad. I got a little out of order, but uh, it happens. It's a great quote. (laughs) I've got just a couple more. Uh, Gabe has a talking head. He says, yes, Aaron and I are still dating. Why do you ask me so often if we're still dating? So clearly the the camera crew is trying to like, I don't know if they're making bets or if they have like a countdown or something. They don't think Aaron and Gabe are long for each other, but who knows? They're still together so far. When they're trying to explain who Holly is to the people who don't know her, uh, namely Aaron, Creed's response is, she's one sassy black lady. (laughs) (laughs) And later he has one more funny moment. Jada offers him one bag of chips, but instead of taking the offered bag, he reaches over from her arm selection and grabs one from there instead. Like, no, I don't accept the one you chose for me. I'm picking something different. And he just says it without a word. And Jada doesn't say anything either. She just gets a little wide-eyed and moves on. Now, before we move on to deleted scenes, this isn't a funny moment or anything, but I just wanted to mention all the gifts that we see. We see this w- mostly within a brief montage uh, while a nice piano rendition of 12 Days of Christmas plays. Uh, obviously, we saw what Jim and Pam exchanged. Kevin gives Oscar a pair of Uggs, which are like winter boots that are stereotypically associated with like white girls, like yoga pants, oversized shirt, Uggs, PSL, (laughs) like that kind of thing, which is really funny. He's, I think, unintentionally feeding the gay stereotype. Uh, But Oscar's excited. Phyllis knits Ryan an iPad sleeve that says his name and his astrological sign, which is Pisces on it. And he's pretty thankful, which is great. Uh, Angela gives Creed a six pack of deodorant and he's excited for the six pack of deodorant. So that's good. (laughs) And Aaron, I love this moment. Aaron gives Andy a pamphlet on how to stop biting your nails. And they share this moment across the room where he he like, yeah, I bite my nails. And she just sort of grins back like, yeah, you do. (laughs) It's really cute. So then deleted scenes, we didn't get a a ton. I think just uh, four. So we learn that last year, corporate made donations to charity in everyone's name, and no one liked that. Stanley said, do not make a donation in my name. I do not want a redwood in Oregon named Stanley Hudson or whatever. I don't know that tree. I want a relax the back gift card. How hard is that? (laughs) I don't know that tree. (laughs) No. There's an extended scene of Toby being asked about the trial. Kevin asks, did the strangler ever look over at you and give him a look like, if you ever say another word, you're next. And Toby's like, yeah. And it's, it's, it's hard to not talk about the trial. And he's like, I feel like I'm in an episode of Law and Order, or at least the second half, where people aren't dying. Uh, and Oscar <laughs> says, hey, that's a funny joke. I'm proud of you for what you're doing for, their, for our county. But then to close out the deleted scene, Michael 
who's been just sort of stewing in that recliner that's out or that easy chair that's outside of his office, uh, looking miserable. He stands up and goes over to Toby and says, if you don't stop talking about that trial, I will kill you. And good luck getting a trial for that because no one will be impartial. And Michael walks off and everybody's just sitting there sort of in a stunned silence. And Kevin speaks up and says, do you think the strangler did it? And Toby just is like, I I, I can't talk about it. (laughs) Toby or Michael put the fear of God in Toby there for a second. I don't think anybody doubted how pissed off he was in that moment. Jim comes into the office with his bloody nose. He asks Aaron for the first aid kit. She tells him where it is, but she won't get it for him because she's waiting on Holly to arrive. (laughs) She's taking that chore very seriously. Very seriously. After Jim leaves, (laughs) she disgustedly wipes down the area of the desk near where Jim was standing. Yeah, it's sort of like when... uh... Pam and Jim came back from their honeymoon and they wanted to put out the candy and she was like, nope, yeah. I have to get Michael's approval first. So you take this with you and then we'll put it on once we get the approval. It's like, it's, it's a little bit unnecessary. Yeah. Rule following. In the last deleted scene, it's just a very, very slight extension of the scene with the ultimatum mentioned. Pam has a talking head uh, after she says, that's unlike you, where she answers the question, do I think Holly's ultimatum is a good idea? She says, I'm not one to judge, but then she just shakes her head at the camera. No, I don't. Yeah. So you've got our discussion topic for Classy Christmas. I do. And it takes just a quick bit of setup uh, before we get to the actual question part. So bear (laughs) with me. Uh, Michael says, what is the matter with him is that when Holly left Scranton for Nashua, she said she couldn't do this and broke up with Michael. But she didn't do the same with AJ when he went the other way or when going the other way. But at the time, Michael and Holly had only been dating for a few weeks. But at this point, AJ and Holly are now three years into their relationship almost. So that said, we've always thought and it's always seemed that what Michael and Holly had during their time together, however brief, was something special. So all that goes to say, here's the question. Is Michael's anger justified? Like, not, not necessarily from his perspective, because obviously right. from his perspective it is, but like from an outsider, do we think his reaction was justified? I don't think it is, honestly, because the thing that sticks in my mind more than anything is Toby didn't quit. Holly is not permanently here. He's taking a leave of absence to go on a trial. This is temporary. Um, we don't know how long the trial will take. It could be, I mean, it's a murder case, so probably not a week, but it, you know. The, the most I could imagine, I've never done jury duty, but the most I could imagine is like, I don't know, two or three weeks, a month, maybe, if it's a big, huge serial killer trial. Like, I don't know. Mm-hmm. It's temporary. Um, and you're right. Holly and Michael dated for a couple of weeks. Holly and AJ are serious. They're talking about marriage. Mm-hmm. Uh, sorry. Nope. Yeah, I agree. As much as I want to root for Michael and Holly... What Pam says early in the episode is, Michael, you're idealizing people again. And Michael just has it built up in his head. Uh, And he even says as much, I was told that Holly would be here single and ready to date, you know? But nobody said that. Who told you? Nobody did. (laughs) Zero people said that. Zero people even insinuated that because everybody knows that she's been with with AJ for a long time. And so if, if his reaction had been a little bit less severe, I could maybe say, yeah, I get it. But he did one of the most childish things we've ever seen Michael do 
And so unfortunately, no, Michael, I can't say that your anger here was fully justified. Well, now we've got um, a bit of a new segment for us. We have our first voicemails in for our our voicemail line, which again is 93Pretz Day, P-R-E-T-Z Day. These are the people who um, mostly just asked questions about the show um, and kept it relatively short and sweet so we can feature them here on the podcast. So first, we're going to play our voicemail from Deanna. Hi, this is Yana in Missouri. One thing that I've been thinking about is why there are so many podcasts about The Office. What do you guys think of that? Okay, so why do we think there are so many uh, podcasts about The Office? Any any thoughts on that? I mean, I think it's just such a... it's. I don't want to call it a cult classic because it's not, but I think if it was any... Well, I don't think it is, but... If it was any, I think in, in 30 years, if it's still this popular, I think it would be a cult mm-hmm. classic. You know what I mean? It's just so popular and so well-loved. Um, and it's both extremely comedic and very heartfelt at the same time and with proper storylines and character development. So I think people just want to talk about it. I think it's such a groundbreaking show that people want to keep talking about it after the show has ended. Yeah, I, I don't have much to say. If you go to Netflix and you look at the the trending now or the popular on Netflix categories, The Office is like a permanent, it has a permanent spot in those sections. It's, it's always, always there. there. And that was part of the reason why we wanted to kickstart this is because it is ever popular. This show's been off the air for going on six years now. And here we are talking about it still very deeply. Like we are going super far in where we've talked many 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 hours about the show and it's just it's a show that people like and i mean the podcast does well because it's a show that people like and people are seeking it out and i mean personally i listen to a couple other office podcasts because i like to hear other people's opinions on the show uh what's great about mm-hmm. podcasts in general is that it's an opportunity to hear uh, either different opinions or sometimes just your opinions echoed back at you. And there are merits to both of those things. So that's why I think next up, we have a voicemail from Brooke. Hi, my name is Brooke and I have a question. So the office is one of my favorite shows and oftentimes I talk about the office with my friends and My favorite character is Aaron, and I've been told many times that that cannot be my favorite character because she's not an original. She's not from the first two seasons. But I love her. I love her humor. So I was just curious what your guys' take on that was. Is it okay that she's my favorite character because she's not an original? Thanks, you guys. Well, Brooke, I'm sorry to have to tell you that you're going to need a new favorite character. No, absolutely. Um, I completely get the uh, draw to Erin. She's, I think she's hilarious. I think she's probably one of my favorite characters as well. No, stick to it. If she's your favorite, she's your favorite. Yeah, pick whoever you want. I mean, your your favorite character could be uh, Concierge Marie. I wouldn't have a problem yeah. with it. Sure, why not? Pick who you want. Tell your friends that an official The Office podcast Thanks are silly. <laughs> Validated you. you have proof. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, she even if she wasn't there at the very beginning, she's in the majority of the show. So I mean, why does it? It it doesn't matter. She's a great character. We like her a lot. Obviously, feel free to make her your favorite. We support you. 
(laughs) (laughs) And one last voicemail to play for now from Corey. Hey, Chad and Katie, this is Corey in Oregon. Um, And I just had a quick maybe like discussion topic um, or something that you guys could talk about sometime um, or when you are done with the podcast. Um, I was just curious if if you had to uh, individually how you guys would rank the seasons of The Office. Um, I know the show is amazing in every season, um, so it's really hard. But um, for me, really quick, I just went with uh, five, four, three, two, six, seven, eight, nine, one is my order. Um, and I would love to hear your guys' order. Um, it'd be pretty fun. So thank you for what you do. Uh, keep it up. Um, I listen every week. I'm a huge fan. So thank you guys. Um, happy New Year. Have a good day. Thank you. Well, we are going to save this uh, discussion topic for a while, but it's something for us to be thinking about as we finish up these last couple seasons. Uh, so uh, we'd like to hear everybody else's season order, but we're going to wait until we discuss all of them before we give our ranking. So you have that to look forward to way down the pipeline. <laughs> I also love hearing where you guys are from. I don't know why. Like, it's just cool to hear. I mean, I'm from Texas. Chad is in Texas. Mm-hmm. I'm in New York now. We've got Oregon. I mean, we've got people all over the place. We've got international listeners mm-hmm. too. So um, I just love, I love that. <laughs> tell, us, tell, tell us where you're from. <laughs> <laughs> we've got a couple more voicemails that we're going to save for after the end credits. But thank you everybody for your voicemail so far. We'd love to get lots and lots more. Uh, like we'd like to have too many. So where we have to like pick only a couple every yeah. week. That'd be <laughs> awesome. Uh, and once again, that number is 93PRETZDAY. That is 937-738-9329. Oh, I feel like a radio show. I love it. Okay. Uh, <laughs> that is the end of our official 74th episode of An American Workplace. You can contact us at facebook.com slash workplacepod or at workplacepod on Twitter. You can rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, and you can email feedback and ideas to workplacepod at gmail.com. You can find me on Twitter at ktlady623 or at facebook.com slash katie.white. And the best place for me is at chadadada on Twitter. That is C-H-A-D-A-D-A-D-A. Also facebook.com slash chad.hopkins. And there's my other podcast, Cinescope, which you can find where other podcasts can be found and at thecinescopepodcast.com. And show notes and contact information for this show can be found at workplacepodcast.com. We have three, count them, three new Patreon subscribers this week. Thank you all so much for your support. We really do appreciate it. Special thanks this week to Deborah, Robert, and Katie. Thank you, thank you, thank you. You guys make the show extra special. You you help us reach lots more people. So we do appreciate all of your support. If you want a shout out and more of an American workplace each week, including access to our discussion outline and notes, a logo sticker, bonus episodes, and live streams, check out our Patreon page and pick the support level that you think is worth it to you at patreon.com slash workplace pod. And that's all for this week. Thank you for joining us to watch one of our favorite shows, The Office, here on episode 74 of An American Workplace. Make sure to join us in episode 75 for our discussion on the next two episodes of season seven, Ultimatum and The Seminar. Bye. Hey, Chad and Katie. This is Leslie Martin up in Anchorage, Alaska. Greetings from the frozen north. Uh, Glad to see you guys are adding more ways for people to interact with you. Uh, Keep up the good work. I feel bad that I haven't been 
keeping in touch with you more, but between too many hours of work, moving two households, an earthquake, and various other and assorted issues, it's just been crazy up here. But love the show. Keep up the good work. Appreciate you guys and all the work that you put into it. Have a good day. Hi, my name is Brooke, and I just wanted to say thank you guys for your amazing podcast. I listen to it every day before school and after school on my way home, and I just really appreciate the content that you guys put out and all your amazing ideas. I love The Office, so thank you guys. (laughs) Well, that is the end of our official 79th. Nope. Soon.